This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Episode 15 of this season of HFC Chat. Davo, my good friend, how are you keeping? All things considered, my mate, not too bad. How about yourself? Yeah, we're getting there, we're getting there. It isn't the most positive start to the episode, but of course we have to look back at this weekend's encounter. But if you want to, we can... I mean, it's been a while since it was pre-York since we recorded. So why don't we have a bit of positivity start the episode instead of going straight into the negative side of things? York away, an incredible away day. (laughs) I mean, probably the most complete performance we've seen all season. Without a shadow of a doubt, we looked really good. They were poor, but... As I've said to many people, we made them look bad as well. I thought we really showed them up on the home turf. The pitch suited us, the way we were trying to play. Um, It it was really, there was some intricate intricate play at times as well. And it was really pleasing to watch. So why don't we have a little look back at that game, Davo? Obviously, our Scottish wonder kid, um, Jake Hasty, managed to open the scoring, fantastic ball through him, took it really, really well, didn't he? And then Armand Cross managed to get the second um, before Feds added a third in the second half. And it was just the only disappointment having conceded so late on because I thought Joel Dixon and the back line for once had an incredibly solid game. I mean, just talk us through that York away day. Yeah, I mean, what a day. I mean, we all knew going into York what carnage it would be, especially for you going early day, early days, early yeah, doors yeah. into the city, few early drinks with the lads. So, yeah, first and foremost, great day, great company, stood with all you lads down at the bottom. Um, and, yeah, we just set the tone brilliantly, out the traps really quickly, two early goals, 2-0 up, and you just think, wow, how many can we get? We get the third. We seal it, Nicky Featherston, and then you just think, yep, job done. Keep it nice and tight at the back because I don't want to be dramatic, but a clean sheet would have almost felt like another goal Mm, to a sense. Definitely. But it wouldn't be pulls, would it, if we didn't concede, (laughs) especially from a crossing at the box, came from a corner, too easy, open in acres of space and puts it away, but it didn't put any dampeners on the day. It was a great result. And coming away from it, I generally thought, you know what? This is a great way to get back on track. We had a really good, easy fixture. No disrespect to Kidderminster, the bump in the league. It was a game I didn't figure. A good opportunity to maybe go and get three or four. Wasn't a B, but no. Overall, great day, great performance. Couldn't uh, couldn't fault the lads. No, you couldn't, could you? And it, it was it was pleasing to come away with with such positivity and also having seen us control the game like we were doing back in August, um, something that we hadn't seen for a very long time. And then, of course, we head on to Kidderminster. And again, as you say, no disrespect, but we should have got a hatful there. I mean, chances we missed. It was it was just a frustrating, really frustrating performance, wasn't it? And one in which we were hoping that this is not only, as you've alluded to, the perfect opportunity to build on that re- 
result at York, but we should really be pushing on um, with the players that we've also, we've got the boost of Callum Cook being back, who had an absolute blinder um, on the Saturday. And the way we played, we probably did go into that expecting three points and nothing less. But we come away with a point there and kind of heading into such a tough fixture like we had last Saturday against Bromley at home. We knew it was going to be tough. We know they're a good National League side. They really are. But we just made it so easy for them, didn't we? I'm not being awful, but if you're going to give someone as notorious as Michael Cheek acres of space and time in the box to do what he does best, it's only going to go one way. You are destined for trouble. And on Saturday, we give Michael Cheek far too much respect. And he scored twice. Could have potentially went on to complete his hat-trick, but he didn't. But yeah, infuriating result. I think, in fairness to Bromley, they had a game plan. And as far as I see it, they executed it perfectly. They allowed us to be on the ball. We dictated lots of the ball, but they nullified us. They nullified our threat. And despite the large amount of possession, I'd say for the best part of that game, we couldn't do anything with it. We were far too passive around the box. It was going from left to right, right to left, back over. I said to him, he's had in the first half, I'm not being awful. If you're on the ball and you have an opportunity, just have a shot. I just mm-hmm. want to see us have, you know, that mentality of, I'm going to have a go. But no one seemed to to do it. And the first goal, no disrespect to Zach Johnson, it was just a wayward header. I don't know what he's thinking was. Obviously, just nods onto his right-hand side and gives Michael Cheek the opportunity to put it away like he did. Um, could have easily been I think it was either 2-0 or 3-0 it was a great save from Dixon I think yeah it, it was it was it was 1-0 and I think Matic had already given the ball away a couple of times and he yeah. did it yet again and he was throwing goal when he and Joel Dixon pulls off a fantastic save Um, yeah it was just a calamity I mean the first goal there was so much time for him to initially have the shot and then obviously he goes on to score um, following on from that. I mean, we get a goal back, brilliant header from Manny D. 2-1, we think, fantastic, we're back in it. Who knows if we get the next one. I actually said to me, Dad, I think if we get the next one, we'll really push on. But no, we didn't. We conceded pretty much straight away, 3-1, game's dead. I mean, the fourth goal they scored, not only is it so demoralising, that um, Olamola pops up with a goal. But, I mean, that sums up the day, doesn't it? I can see you laughing there, Davo. I mean, it really did. But then you've got Hancocks who comes on and just flaps at it like a big fanny and doesn't commit, kind of decides to go, then pulls out, and he just runs through and, and puts it past Dixon. It was really, really, really depressing to watch I think that sums up the mood round the well if you're technically politically correct the suit direct stadium but the mood at the Vic now I mean I know we've touched on it haven't we the atmosphere it's like the old days when we were back in the National League before we got promoted and, and we were really struggling and weren't really getting anywhere it's just it's not a happy place, is it? It's it's really not a happy place to be at the minute. It's not. It really isn't. Things on the pitch aren't going great. And then obviously you've got things currently ongoing behind the scenes. I think we both know, I think we all know until a certain something happens at this football club, then I think it will be a long time before the mood shifts, before the, the, the waves turn. That's just my opinion. That's my take. You might disagree, but yeah, it's frustrating. You know, you beat York convincingly. You see, you see an opportunity to go to Kidderminster, beat them. We haven't. It says a lot that the goalkeeper got man of the match and then you, you just fall straight flat on your face, don't you? Last Saturday when you get beat emphatically off off Bromley, but it's just turbulent at Pools. It's just turbulent. I think the fact that the floodlight went off in the first half, sums really it up. summed it up. It really sums up the 
atmosphere, the the whole, just everything around the club at the minute. It's like, it's just not a place that you get excited to go. And, and that's not how it should be. I mean, I think if we lost to York, I dread to think the position we'd be in. I mean, would Ask even have been pushed at this point if we'd lost to York, drawn at Kidderminster, and then lost to Bromley? I mean, I'm just proposing that question to you. I don't know what you think on that, because I have seen a few people put that out on Twitter saying that if it wasn't for the result at York, they reckon Askey would have been gone. I mean, what what is your take on that? Well, we discussed this a little bit after Saturday because there was a lot of it, and I've noticed over the last few weeks, it has slowly but surely started to pick up pace, this Askey yeah. out thing. And I am massively drawn because at the start of the season, and first and foremost, I stand by what I said. I do believe John Askey is the man to get us out of the National League. If we are to get back to the football league, then he's the man to do us. That's my opinion. He is not immune from being asked tough questions. I think there is things that go on that are within his control that he should be asked. So I know you tweeted about it. So when I look at the team sheet at two o'clock, and I wouldn't thought I'd be saying this in August, but why isn't Brody Patterson playing? Mm. What did he do from Saturday at York to the Tuesday or after Tuesday at Kidderminster to deserve being dropped in place of David Ferguson? I know Fergie's the club captain, but for me, that's one. Tactics, style, the way we play, that's all within his control. And at the moment, we're not playing good football. We can't defend. And I just feel as if it's the same excuses coming out every single week. Well, funny enough, I've seen that um, a mile off Fergie starting on Saturday. Because he was obviously suspended for York. I thought Brody was solid, as you've said. And you, I can tell you, and a lot of Pills fans who probably listen to this, who know the both of us, will know the fact that I, my opinions and thoughts on Brody Patterson. And you were probably in shock when I said, I can't believe Brody isn't playing, like, and actually actively supporting. But it's true. You've got to give credit to players when they step up. And we will discuss in a minute, two in particular, Brody Patterson and Jake Hasty. But when. Brody came off on Tuesday against Kidderminster um, and Fergie came on. I think it might have been the 60th minute. I knew full well that Fergie would be starting on Saturday because they were just getting some minutes in his legs and then come Saturday, he'll be back in the team. Now, before we go any further and discuss the... Let's discuss the captaincy conversation that has been extremely interesting <coughs> sorry extremely interesting um and doing the the rounds on twitter and the like um but i want to give huge praise to brody i think he's really stepped up he's been giving it 110 percent to coin a famous phrase of my own and he really didn't deserve to be dropped in my opinion i think he adds a lot more than fergie does so to that discussion as you alluded to he is club captain for me, that doesn't give you a right to start because pretty sure Matty Dolan has a role similar in terms of captaincy. Is it vice-captain, I think? Um, and he doesn't get a look in. So that doesn't give you a divine right to be in the match day squad or the starting eleven. Performances should dictate that. But he is not a leader in the slightest. You've seen as against York when Feathers was captain, the way he was communicating with his midfielders, with everyone in the team, the way he dictated play. I tweeted actually after York, I said, my own opinion, but give Feathers a captaincy. Because if something goes wrong, he's there having a word, communicating. Every single goal that goes in on Saturday against Bromley Fergie just walks to the back line, uh, back to the halfway line with his head down, doesn't say anything, doesn't communicate. Now, people will say to me, what do you want me? What do you want him to do? Like, you can't blame him. But he is the captain. He has a role and a responsibility to be telling people to shape up, to be communicating and to be motivating. And he does none of the above. He doesn't say a word at all. Now, I don't know what you think, um, about the situation, Davo. But for me, Nicky Featherston is a much better choice as captain of Hartlepool United Football Club. 
I made this point after the Chesterly face. I said then, I called it, it was time to mm. switch the armband. I love Fergie. I think he's a great asset for us. We all know what a huge pivotal role he can play in this side. But I think, and I said it towards the back end of last season, funnily enough, I think, and I believe in my opinion, that his performances are massively hindered by that armband. Yeah. I think for whatever reason, it just completely weighs him down. And I think if we are to see the Fergie that we all know and love doing the things that we know he can do, then I think for, the only way we will see that for me is if you move it on. And that's no disrespect to him. You know, you've got more natural leaders out there. You've got more aggressive leaders when the times are tough. The, you know, someone to grab the players by the scruff of the neck, someone to just like look around and like, and I do think someone someone like Nicky Feverson is that individual. I'm not saying it has to be Nicky Feverson. You've got Callum Cook, great communicator, always shouting. But yeah, I do I do agree with the statement. I think it's I think it's a it's a valid point. I think where you say and a key word I'd like to draw out of what you've said there, we all know what he can do. Emphasis on the can, because we haven't seen it. For a very long time, I don't feel. I mean, the amount of times that his crosses don't beat the first man. Um, one positive that did come out of Saturday's performance was the performance of Kieran Burton. I thought, I thought he he looked good. He he made a few really good runs going forward. Difficult game for him, of course, and he is adapting to full time football. Um, you know, coming from Scarborough. It is quite ironic that the landlord of where I live um, happens to be family friends of Kieran Burton, which was a random uh, discussion that came up when he found out a supported pools were speaking. And he, he said, oh, do you know where Kieran Burton? I says, oh, yeah, the lad who's on loan at Darlow currently. And he went, yeah, he is a cracking lad and he's a fantastic footballer. He has the talent. He really does. That's what, Those were his words. Um and he said he just needs to, once he gets more minutes under his belt, he really thinks he'll do well. So fingers crossed he's right. Slight um, digression there. But Dava, were you impressed with his performance on Saturday as well? That was one of the very few positives that I did take from Saturday. I think it was a tough day for him. A very tough day, considering you're up against people like Michael Cheek, but I thought he handled himself well. He's a great, great young defender with great potential. I think he's an asset, the fact that he's a ball playing centre back he loves to get on the on the ball. I mean how many times he get on the ball and like taking on people and driving mm. like from one box to the other. I know he was probably somewhat culprit a culprit for the third goal, but I mean look. Even still, I thought it was a good performance from from young Kieran. Bear in mind he's here one second, he's on loan the next, and then he's back, then he's in the stand eleven. I mean he's been all over this season, so you know, fair play to him. Yeah, a player I'd I'd really like to see do well. You know, I like all players to do well that come to our football club. But the next point before we move on is Jake Hasty. Someone, I think a lot of Pools fans genuinely do want to see do well, myself included. And he's just been a, a completely different player these last three games. I mean, Yorkie was absolutely class. We came on, didn't he, the week before and scored. And then... York, I thought he had an absolute blinder, looked really sharp, taking on his man. You can tell the confidence he's building. And then Kidderminster, having followed it on Twitter, you've seen the amount of efforts that he had saved out the top corner by the keeper, and he seemed to be having a real impact. And then again, on Saturday, I actually thought he was one of the few who actually did okay. Um, I thought he beat his man. He played a fantastic ball in, was it to Manny D.? I think it was at 3-1 um, and he whipped it in and Manny D took the touch, but then blazed it over the bar, I believe. I thought he looked, again, I thought he looked pretty good on, on Saturday and it's great to see his confidence building and, and to be getting a bit of appreciation off the fans. That'll certainly help. And I really do hope that he goes from strength to strength and we do see him succeed at pulls because, as I've said, I do genuinely believe he wants to do well. Davo, any thoughts on... Jake Hasty. It's only fair to say the redemption story is on. I mean, I kid you not, so that game he came on against the Ebbs Fleet, the mm -hmm. noise when it was like number seven, Jake Hasty, honestly, you'd think we'd scored. 
And then he did score. Then the song came out. Hey, JK, Steve. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, fair play to him. I mean, I won't shy away. You won't shy away. No. You've been very, very critical, not just Definitely. in conversation, but on social media as well. I think the whole fan base has been critical. He's had to tolerate quite a lot of abuse. I think mm-hmm. it's fair to say. And he's put his head down. He's grafted. He's grafted. You know, he's tried to find an opportunity. And once came his way, it came against Ebsfleet. He came on. He scored. You can clearly see how much it means to him. You saw by the celebration against Ebsfleet when he ran straight to the town end. The mm. celebration against York, you know, I think at the moment. And I think he's even said himself, he's just working hard. He's making the most of the opportunity. He's making the most of playing. And I do hope it works because I've said time and time again, I think despite what we have seen, I think there is a player in there. There's a reason he came. There's a reason Rangers took a punt on such a player. So I do hope this is something the start of something, something really special. But yeah, it'll be one to, to really, like I say, keep an eye on. Well, definitely. And I think it's just a, a case of up until Ebsfleet, his confidence would have been shot to bits. I've heard that off a lot of people and rightly so. I mean... Mm. You know, he's received a lot of criticism, which has been correct for the majority, um, for the major part of it. And I've heard off of quite a few people, apparently he's one of the best trainers at the club. It's just a case of his confidence is shot to bits. And hopefully that'll build and be repaired as he's scoring goals, as he's contributing, as he's, you know, gaining that confidence through his performances. And, and fingers crossed he can really push on at the club now and we see a really solid season from him. Of course, there's a continued unresolved issues off the field. Um, we, w- we won't discuss a lot of them, but our episode with the Trust was really, really informative. I mean, we've had an awful lot of good feedback. I think it's over 300 people have listened to the episode. I know the uptake in membership has been very good. Um, I've seen a couple of people um, from the Trust on Saturday, funny enough, um, they they were in the corner flag pre-match and, and said that they'd been really impressed with the amount of people that had listened and the amount of people that have also like the positive reaction in terms of an uptake membership, kind of an understanding now amongst the fan base of what the trust is all about. So if you haven't listened to that episode and you're thinking, what on earth is he on about? Do go and check it out. Um, we We did release that a couple of weeks back. So well worth a listen. And let's just hope that in due course, we're able to find a resolution. We're able to get some people in or an individual, probably most likely a consortium that are able to take the club over and start to move this football club back in the right direction towards the football league and and on a more, um, you know, financial stronger footing, shall we say, Um, you know, where they'll be able to, we'll be able to see tangible investment and the club can get back to, where it really wants to be. So, as I've said, if you haven't listened, well worth a listen. Davo, I know you felt the same as me after recording that episode, really positive and and really actually enjoyed speaking to them um, to kind of gain a better understanding as well. It was really important. You know, the future relies on it. I think I've said this on and off the podcast, there's been huge, huge misconceptions over the years about the trust. So, the fact that we've been able to play just a small, tiny part, and that means the world to us both. And like I say, the fact that the reviews of the podcast episode have been so positive, the memberships have skyrocketed. Fingers crossed, you know, these guys who are working hard probably day and night can can finally give us some closure on a on some on some takeover news. Yeah, fingers crossed. That's what we're all waiting for and hoping for. So if you haven't signed up to be a member of the trust, definitely worth taking a look at and having a look at the what it is to offer. I know you're about to make a little comment there, aren't you, Davo? Ask you uh, have you jo- signed up. Have you joined Hust yet, Jack? I haven't joined Hust yet. I haven't, and I can't believe you've outed me like that to all the listeners. Um, it is something that I'm going to do. I just keep keep um, forgetting because I've got a lot of other things on my mind, Davo. Um, unlike you sat there twiddling your thumbs Um, (laughs) so yeah I would strongly encourage and I will be doing so that is something that I I am going to do this week get signed up to the trust and uh, let's see where that can take us 
Well, a club legend in many people's eyes, 374 appearances, four goals, club captain and a proud member of the HFC Chat listeners, all-time 11, making his second HFC Chat appearance after the very early days, Mr Mickey Barron. Mickey, how are you doing? Are you managing to survive the cold snap that we seem to be going through along with that pose shambolic defending? Uh, well, we can come on to that later. The cold snap's fine. I, I work, I'm a PE teacher, so I've still got my shorts on, so it can't be that cold. But apart from that now, we're all good. Good stuff. Well, let's start with that topic of defending and get it out of the way. You are, of course, a member this season of the BBC Sport T Sport team, along with Rob Law. So it's fair to say you're qualified to comment on the defensive performances that we've been treated to this season. Mark Carroll has asked for your overall assessment of the defence from your perspective? Yeah, to be honest, at the start of the season, I thought they looked quite solid. I thought the team looked solid. I thought the shape was good. And then as injuries came in front of them, they seemed to get, um, making more and more mistakes, which just the confidence goes. And at the moment, it looks like it doesn't matter who he puts in, they haven't got confidence there in their defending. And a lot of the goals set pieces and, and set pieces are something you work on defending set pieces. And, and I'm sure they're doing that. And, and I'm sure John and the rest of the coaching staff will be just pulling their hair out week after week because the, a lot of fans here, or do they not work on that? They will be. And sometimes you work on it, work on it, work on it so much that it's, it, it also becomes like you're fully focused on that. And that's all you can think about because that's what you want to stop. For me, and I've said this for a few weeks with Rob on the, on the commentary, they really need, uh, for me, an old-fashioned centre-half. Someone like uh, a Spike or a Mickey Nelson that will go and dominate in the penalty area and make the other people around them defend properly, if you know what I mean. I think that um, they've been crying out for someone that can go and really dominate the, the, the opposition. Just touching on that, actually, Mickey, you know, there's been a lot of conversation which you certainly won't have missed out and probably have discussed it with Rob on tees but do you think that Matty Dolan's a player that could fit that role I know we haven't seen an awful lot of him really I think it's a tough one I think I watched Matty a couple of years ago I think he was at uh, Newport at the time and he played that sort of middle of a back three role but stepping forward into midfield and I thought he was magnificent on the night on the night when he played at Hartlepool I think Matty could be part of a back three but he would, again, need some commanding defenders around him because Matty's not going to go and win headers and, and dominate a centre forward or a big centre forward as well. So I think he could play a part in that and he reads the game well and he's good on the ball. But to make it a solid back three, if you like, you would have to have some strong defenders alongside him. And, and at present, I think when, you, when, you, when you're lacking confidence, those basic mistakes get punished. And I think at the moment... They are making quite basic mistakes for the defenders. I've watched the goals and and from a coaching point of view, you stop them. I think there was a goal, it was a set piece, it was a Kidderminster the other day, and you think, how does that player get free in the front post so easy? So you're looking back at things and and they're just individual mistakes that that sometimes coach or a manager can't do anything about. But it's when it's happening week after week after week that it becomes a real concern. Continuing with this theme, and we promise we are not trying to create headlines, but at the Gritch and Stuart Blackett on Twitter would like to know whether you have been asked to help with the defence at the club, or if not, would this be something you'd like to do slash be interested in getting involved with? I definitely haven't been asked at the moment. It's definitely something I wouldn't do, you know. I've always said to Sweens, um, if there's anything I can do when he's involved, I can help out looking at videos, this, that, and the other. that I'd be more than happy to offer my advice. With my job at the moment, I'm sure Year 9 PE uh, couldn't do without me at uh, the school I'm at. So it's not something I'd be I'd be interested in doing. I think I've had my time doing that. As I say, it's I like analysing the things. I like discussing them. And if, if Swain said, look, Mickey, come and have a look at this, or do you want to come down to train and have a look? I'm more than happy to, to, to sort of analyse things and look at things and sort of offer advice here and there. But actually going on the training ground, as I say, I've had my time doing that. So we do have a couple more general questions before we continue. Let's start with this one from Jill, which reads, looking back at the pool squads that you have been a part of, do you think they underachieved and could they have been more successful? Yeah, I definitely don't think we underachieved. I think, um, if anything, I think 
we overachieved because of team sort of spirit, if you like, with the with the set of players that we had. We had such a good team spirit um, and a togetherness that it sort of got us through games and got us winning games when we possibly shouldn't have done that. So I definitely don't think we underachieved. Could we have done a little bit more? Possibly. I think we we should have won the league um, that season when we didn't. Um, and obviously the season when we got the playoff final, circumstances went against us there. So we, we possibly could have been promoted. But I think as individuals in that team and as a team, a collective, as a team unit, I think um, we probably overachieved, if anything. Following on from that, a bit more light-hearted, but Dave Frank has asked, if any of your past Pills teammates were to write a book, whose would you be most looking forward to reading? And equally, whose would you dread and why? <laughs> It might be the same answer for both. <laughs> um, well, what a great question. Of all the times I've done this, I've never had that question. Um, it depends if people are honest or not. I think I think if it was like a, a no holes barred uh, book where it was 100% honesty on it, I'd probably, um, Mark Tinkler would probably be the one I would look forward to reading the most. Um because obviously with his career that he had, but um, I think anyone that knows Tinks knows he's he's a pretty lively character outside of, of football as well um, and gets himself in one or two scrapes in his younger days. So I'm sure he'd have some very interesting stories. And on the other side of that, probably the person that, and this is going to sound really harsh, but the person I wouldn't want to read would probably be Effians because outside of football, he never seemed to do much or go out or do anything else. So... It's probably going to be football training, football training, and that would probably be it. So apologies, Effian, but... Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> um, I mean, as you say, it, it is a good question. I didn't expect it to come in um, when, when we seen that, but um, nice to see it thinking outside the box a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Now, you did touch on it there, the playoff final. You were obviously captain at the time. Perhaps you could just talk listeners through what it meant to you on a personal level, what it you felt it meant to the town, the whole experience, the week leading up to it, everything that surrounded that playoff final. I know there's quite a lot, but um, if you could just give the listeners an insight, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, of course. I, um, for me personally, I wish... I wish I could have taken more in on the actual day. It, it went by so fast, the, the day and the emotions of the day, that I didn't really have time to take it all in. And it's only when you look back, you realise what a monumental sort of day it was. Leading up to it, I was carrying a bit of an injury, so I wasn't 100% sure I was going to play. So I had that sort of in mind, am I going to play? Am I going to be fit? Am I not? So it was always a bit of a worry. And when I knew I was fit enough to play, the, the, the sort of day before and you're just really excited for the game to come, you know, and you didn't get much sleep that night. And and my biggest memory of it is, was was actually driving to the ground and the amount of, like, poolies that had flags out and just the smiles on the faces. They just look so happy to be there, you know, and enjoying every minute of the preparation and the lead-up to the, to the entry into the ground. And then as we ran out, the... Um, the noise that they made, and, and and again, it was just everyone looked so happy, you know. And you realise how much it meant to the town for us to be in a, in a in a playoff final to get into the championship. I think for me personally, I remember walking out, and and I actually got the whole handshake thing wrong. I went the wrong way, and so the referee had to point us in the right direction. But it was just 
I just remember looking around and having the amount of people that were there and the fireworks were going off and and it was a bit surreal, you know. You just think like we never thought we would be in a playoff final with such a big crowd, with such a big sort of prize at the end of it. So there's lots of memories that like one of the one of the best memories you have, and people always think, well, after you lost the game, we went in the players' bar. And all of the Hartlepool players and families were in there. And again, the families were just beaming with pride of what we'd done and 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 just saying like Richie Humphrey's dad, who was who was like my football dad to me, um, just come over and give us hugs and congratulations on what we achieved that season. And I remember coming home on the bus and we stopped off to have a drink somewhere and was, the pub was full of Hartlepool fans. And, and, you know, you just, you can take those moments in at times, you know, and, and it's just the enjoyment that people had of it, of the whole day. And like I say, it, it is my proudest moment in football, you know, to lead out a team at a playoff final that's um, it, with such a big occasion and with such a brilliant group of players behind me. Um, there was nothing really apart from winning that could have made that day any better. I mean, I wasn't really old enough to remember it, to be oh, perfectly honest. Um <laughs> You know, Davo was Davo, so that that'll make you feel better, Mickey. You were there, weren't you, Davo? Um, I think it was. Was it your first pools game? It was my first ever pools game. Yeah, no, kidding. How come that? How come you only went? Uh, that was your first one. So I think at the time we were. There was me, my mum, my dad. We were on holiday at the time, and obviously, I think my dad was aware that pools were played at Cardiff. I mean, I don't even know the story how the tickets even managed to get to us. Right. Anyway, we managed to get tickets, so I think it was my first real. Game, I think it was my dad's first real opportunity to see if I liked it because obviously he's a big United fan. So, yeah, went, enjoyed it, loved it from what I can remember, which is probably not a lot. And then that was it, yeah. Went the first game after, saw the first season. Uh, I think it was Bradford at home. Right, yeah, yeah. And then that was it. So you, you started off on the sort of top level there, didn't you? I mean, of all the, the games... The you biggest go, game, and then has it gone downhill ever since? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, Mickey, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it's a stark contrast to my first game when we flipped and lost. I think it was a 93rd minute to Coventry City at home. And I mean, that just, that is the typical, like, Poles, life of a Poles fan in it. So I guess at least I, I haven't had to come down. Like, I think it all worked up all the way up to, like, Bristol. Then we had Palace and Rotherham. And then it's gone back downhill now. But, um, all joking aside, Mitty, really, really good insight. And I know there'll be a lot of people who will have enjoyed listening to your account. Some of the tales from that. Now, I'm not sure whether you're aware, but we've been running a theme recently um, and we're kind of pulling together an all-time listeners 11 from schools. Okay. Um, recent events off the field have interrupted the flow a bit of this, but one of the key reasons for having you on was to discuss some of the selections that were made. Now, two of the individuals who have made the 11 um, in the back line were teammates of yours at various points. It would be really good to get your thoughts, perhaps some memories, any funny stories you might have of them. We'll start with Chris Westwood, who was at the club between 1998 to 99 and 04, 05, making 230 appearances, seven goals in the process. And then once you finished with him, please, can you do the same for Nels, who was, of course, there 2003, 04, 08, 09, 296 appearances with 15 goals along the way. Yeah, of course. Two really, really good friends of mine. Um, Wesley was actually my uh, roomie, so any away game, we would room together. And it's a really interesting story. When he came to us um, from Wolves, he walked in the dressing room and he sat down. He sat down next to me. So afterwards, after I got to know him a little bit, I did ask him, I was like, Wesley, why did he sit next to me? And I had like a short skinhead at the time. And he said, I looked around the dressing room and I thought... If anyone's going to be a racist, it's going to be you. So I sat myself next to him and he said, couldn't have been further from the truth. So it, we got off to sort of an interesting start. But from then, you will not meet a, a nicer lad than Chrissy. He, um, he was just a brilliant character to have around the dressing room. Everyone loves him. And I think in the town, everyone loves him. And and I understand why, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a real happy person. He's a real character to have around. And on the pitch, he was really dependable. I know when he first came, he struggled with injuries and he, he played out of position a little bit. But as a defender, he did exactly what he wanted to do. He defended his goal. He was solid. He was a leader. Um, he chipped in with some important goals as well. 
Um, and he's probably what Hartlepool need right now. He's he's probably a defender who would make that team a lot better right now because, as I said, he was a he was a seven out of ten most weeks. And and I think as defenders, that's what you need. You need those solid um, people who you can rely on week after week after week. And I think as time went on in that team, he only got better. And um, he just got went from strength to strength. He was physically strong, but he had a determination that he was always going to get the better of the centre-forward. And I would say the majority of the times he did. And I think we roomed together for probably five or six years, and there was only one time where we were total opposites. I like to go to bed early, and Westy was up late. I'd be up early, he wanted to lie in. So how we worked together as roommates, <laughs> it wasn't really a good combination, but we did. And the only time I ever fell out with him was Westy knew I liked being on time. So whether it's a team walk, a team meeting, our lunch when we're leaving, I would always be early because just my character to be early. And one day we're playing in a way game, so we're in the hotel and I was in the shower getting ready to go down for pre-match and he jammed the door to the shower with a chair. Mm. I was stuck in the, um, I was stuck in the, in the shower and I couldn't get the pre-match, which for me mentally was the worst thing because my preparation was crucial and he came back up and I, I it was the only time I thought about fighting him. I didn't because I would have come off on the worst side of it. But it's the only time when he really annoyed me in six years. So it's probably it probably shows that we had a good a good uh, sort of friendship off the pitch as well as on the pitch. And then Nels, very similar, uh, an amazing character. Uh, again, someone that was uh, came into the dressing room, lifted the dressing room, um, was really really popular in the dressing room. Probably a bit more vocal than Westy um, would sort of demand a bit more from you, from like organisation um, and would lead the team a little bit uh, through his voice. But again, someone that would put his head in the way, would block shots, would stop crosses, would be really physical with centre forwards. And in the league we were in, you needed that player. And I think they combined really well together. Nels was actually a better footballer than what a lot of people give him credit for. So if you if you watch him in training or you actually watch his technical side, he is a very, very good footballer. And on top of that, he would always offer you the chance to score goals, which I think as a defender, if you can go up and score, um, it, it's an absolute bonus. But again, someone seven out of 10 most weeks, who you knew what you were going to get. And I think in that team at the time, I think the majority of the players were like that, that you knew they were at a a solid level every single game. They might have the odd bad game and, and they might whatever, but um but yeah I think the overriding thing with else is he was a leader. He was a but he was he was a good footballer as well and I don't think probably gets enough credit for that as what people think. One thing that I kind of take away that you've mentioned a few times Mickey throughout this is kind of that consistent level of performance from individuals and I think that just re-emphasises how crucial it is and perhaps one of the shortcomings of the Pools side as a whole, never mind just the defence. We have those players, we know what they're capable of at times and we really do see the best of them, especially in that run we had in August. But it isn't there isn't that consistency. You know, we keep having like these false starts against Eastley when we won 3-1, then you've got York when we won 3-1. And each time you think, right, okay, we've now set a level, let's push on. But with the teams that you were involved with, it was kind of, as you say, everybody's human. There's going to be times when people don't have the best games, but there's that consistent level and high level of performance, which is is getting teams through. Now, the final thing we need from you, Mickey, and as a disclaimer to anyone listening and any of Mickey's ex-teammates, please do not give him too much stick if you get left out or you do not agree with his selections. But Mickey, please, can you give us, first of all, your manager of choice that you would choose if you were to have one um, of your pools teams, the formation you're going to go with, and then finally just run us through your own personal HFC all-time 11. Okay. I've actually copped out a little bit on the manager. I've gone for a hybrid. Is that all right? Absolutely fine. Okay. So my hybrid manager, and I think this would be a manager that everyone would agree with, would be Neil Cooper mixed with Danny Wilson. That's ridiculously good. Better than Pep. Neil was, and and 
God rest his soul. I love him, love him to bits as a personality, as a man manager, as someone to get a group of people together was amazing. And when he came in, right from the first minute he came in, we all just knew this is whatever way it goes, it's going to be fun and it's going to be enjoyable. And fortunately for us, it went in a positive way. But he was just so infectious to work for. He was, I mean, everyone knows what he was like, but it, he he could get the best out of people and then a little bit more at times just by the way he communicated, the way he would speak to you. Um, and everyone wanted to play for him. And I think that's a sign of a good manager. And I think if you mix that with sort of Danny's sort of tactical side of it, and, and Danny was probably man-manager and dealing with sort of any conflict and any issues within the dressing room, Danny was head and shoulders above anyone else. And and I just think Danny sort of was calm and, and, and not as sort of agitated as Neil on the touchline. And I think that helps players sometimes. And I think that the sort of combination of both of them would, would give, for me personally, would give me the, the dream manager. That's the manager sorted formation. <laughs> Right, hold on, I've got it on my phone. I've been trying to sort this out. So it's a bit of a strange formation. And I'm not sure whether we're going to win 7-0 or get beat 7-0. <laughs> but the formation is 3-4-1-2. Right. Okay. But just sort of have that in your mind when I'm going through the team. I've gone all up attack. Well, no risk, no reward. Exactly. So goalkeeper, I've gone for Dimmy. I think, um, again, someone that was consistently at a high level would command his goal, would come for crosses um, and would make big saves when he needed them to. Timmy had a knack of making a save when it was 1-0 or 0-0 when it would get you a point or get you three points. Um, You get some goalkeepers that make good saves when you're getting beat 3 or 4-0 and you don't need them. Uh, Timmy was, for me, head and shoulders above any of the goalkeepers I played with at Hartlepool. Big presence would fill the goal. Uh, see, someone that's going to come for crosses and nine times out of ten would take them and take that pressure off when you needed. So, uh, probably probably the easiest choice out of the team to pick the goalkeeper. Brilliant. Good start. Solid start. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Back three. I've spoken about two of them already. It just depends which way you want to play the other one. So, I've gone for a back three of Westy. Nels and Spike. So I think probably Spike in the middle and Westy on the right and Nels on the left. I think you've got a real solid back three there that we're going to defend but can also play football. So if you want to play out from the back, they can. But most importantly, they're going to they're going to be able to dominate in their box and sort of defend properly. So. They're the only three that are going to defend in the team, so we're going to have to defend well. But uh, I think from just having that solid sort of spine, if you like, I think it would give you that real, real good platform to build from. Perhaps you could just touch on Spike a little bit there. He was one of the defenders that got mentioned in the conversation when we were asking listeners for their uh, nominations for best defenders. So perhaps you could just touch a little bit on him. Yeah, again, I think Spike was a little bit unfortunate that he was probably, he played a little bit sort of before a lot of the better players came in, if you know what I mean. He, he was there when I went there and he was he was just a young player. But again, someone that, he wasn't the quickest, but technically he was very good. Like he had real good technique, could could pass a good ball. Um, but again, he would he would go into that team that Hartlepool have got now and, and play in that team and would dominate that back four, just with his with his physique, with his technique of heading it, and just he's got that knack of being able to defend, um, especially in his box. So I think he was a, he sort of obviously moved on to go to, to other teams, but I think if we'd kept him, he would have he would have enhanced that team that we had even more. Brilliant. On to the one that you've got in front of the defence, I presume. No, no, I've got three, four, one, two. Three four one two. That's my bad. Yeah. Dad. Three no, four. It's all right. Go on, take it away. So, I've had to put someone in on the right hand side. I was humming, this was the one I was humming hard and about. I couldn't work out how I was going to get him in the team or if he could play this position. But on the right hand side of midfield, I'm going for Swings. Right. 
purely for his energy to get up and down the pitch. And he's going to give you, in this team, he's going to score 15 goals easy for yeah. midfield. He'll help out if he needs to defensively. He's got a little bit of a presence about him as well. Um, but he's in there to get forward and join join the, uh, the players in the box. So that right-hand side is... I, I looked at a couple of other people. I looked at Effian down there, but I'm not sure Effian will get back and defend as much as I need him to. So, yeah, so... Swain's on the, on the right. The two midfielders I've gone for who will complement each other perfectly are Janover Pedersen and Mark Tinkler. Two brilliant footballers. Um, both can score goals. Both can get them down the pitch. Both want to actually play football and get on the ball. Um, but can also do the the horrible side of winning headers and tackles and getting around. And, and that, that, for me, those two midfielders, I was humming and hiring having Gavin Stratton in there. Um, because he's technically very, very good, but unfortunately I couldn't get him in. And on the left-hand side, I've gone for Richie Humphreys. So, obviously, everyone knows what Richie can do on that left-hand side. I've been watching all his goals today on Twitter because of his birthday. Um, again, someone that's going to get up and down will help you defend. Um, will chip in with lots of goals and assists. And I think that midfield, the midfield alone is going to get you 30 goals a season. Easy. Brilliant. Can't ask for much more than that. <laughs> uh, the one in the one that's going to play in behind the front two is Tommy Miller. Again, someone a, a, another unbelievably talented footballer, um, naturally talented. But the thing that Tommy has that a lot of people don't have now, he understands how to play into strikers and then follow the pass or go beyond. And he just had num- a, a real good knack, a bit like Swains of arriving in the box at the right time and being in, in the box at the right time. And he went on to have a brilliant career. Um, but again, in, in this team, he's looking at 20 goals a season, easy. I'll get him another move. Well, we're honestly absolutely cooking here with the amount of goals we're scoring. <laughs> our goal difference is going to be incredible. It's going to be more than our points. I just, I just don't know how many we're going to concede. <laughs> and then you've got the two up top. Yeah, I think it's uh, the choice is... Um, Pretty easy for me, you know, with the people that I've played with. I've gone for uh, Joel Porter and Adam Boyd to, I don't think anyone can argue, when, when them two were playing together and in the pump, they were unplayable. You had you had Joel's work rate and ability to run into the channels, uh, be a nuisance and, and put defenders under pressure and score goals. Most importantly, he wasn't, he wasn't in the team... Uh, just to do all the, the horrible side of it, which he did, but he scored goals as well. And Boydie was just, probably for about two seasons, was just unplayable. He was just head and shoulders too good for the division we were in. Um, you could give him the ball and he would score. Um, he would find little pockets of spaces and, and open up defence. And uh, again, they just complement each other really, really well. They, they, they sort of had this connection where they could work together and work off each other. And it was just, it was a pleasure to play behind them half the time because you would just get the ball up there and, and one of them would create something and score a goal. No, I can well imagine. I mean, looking at that team as well, I can remember quite a few of them players and I've had the privilege to watch them at various different points of the career. And it's interesting, Joe Porter there, I mean, he was a, a hero to me, like he was one of me first one of the first players that I really, really, I remember meeting him on the side of the pitch and he was a man of few words. I don't know whether he was like that in the dressing room, but he was friendly, but you could tell, I think it was more towards as well when I actually finally got to meet him when he was about considering heading back to Australia and things. So I think he was quite homesick at the time, but an absolutely incredible footballer, like many of those that you've mentioned there. And it reminds me, and it links in quite well as we draw this episode, this part of the episode to an end. I remember watching the Joel Porter episode you did with the switch of play. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, the commitment in the first place for him to be up at that time, you know, yeah. to do that episode. But the insight he gave and just the way he came across was was second to none. And, and whilst we're on that topic of switch of play, something that you and Another good friend of ours, um, Mark Simpson, obviously do. I'm hoping that there's more Christmas content to come, not putting any pressure on you there. <laughs> um, 
But perhaps you could just give a little plug about that. I know you've created some incredible content throughout the time you've been doing it. So if you want to let listeners know where they can tune into that and uh, tell us a bit about it. Yeah, that. of course. Uh, obviously, it's 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 most of it's linked to Hartlepool, you know, and any sort of connection that we've got to Hartlepool. We, we just have good guests on that have got good stories or good insight into sort of their time at Hartlepool. And we've had Ken Hodcroft on, which was an amazing episode, which... I thought it was going to be the, the, the dourest episode we've ever done, knowing Ken all the years I did, but he, he opened right up and told us so many different stories. We've had ex-players on, we've had sort of people who are still involved in the game now, um, people who have left the game are doing other things, um, people who have had success at Hartlepool, others that haven't been so successful, but have been through tough times at Hartlepool. I remember the Craig Harrison episode was was quite hard at times, you know, to, to listen to him and obviously how sort of upset he was about that. So yeah, if if you do want to catch up on them, you can you can get them on YouTube and, and all the other normal channels that you can to listen to podcasts on. Nicky, I'm sure the listeners will have thoroughly enjoyed that insight you provided and hearing what you had to say about X teammates and your all time exile. Thank you for taking the time out to join us on the pod. It's very much appreciated and hopefully we welcome you on at another point this season. Cheers, lads, and keep up the brilliant work because it's it's. I know how hard it is to to sort of keep doing these things and keep it going, and um, you do a brilliant job. So keep it up, and I'll catch up with you soon. Really appreciate that, Mickey. Thank you. It is that time of the episode where we look ahead to yet another fixture for the mighty blue and white. Davo. As is customary, you bring us our um, preview. I should start it now, shouldn't I? Um, we should get like a nice sound clip done, which says uh, like match preview, like you would on tees, brought to you by Adam Davison or something. I can just imagine that. You'd absolutely love it as well. But I would, I wouldn't lie. Like the own little segment. Well, yeah, got to make you feel special sometimes, haven't we? Oh, this is it, mate. This is it. Watch this space. Let's see what happens in the future, eh? Well, this is it. So, without further ado, please do preview AFC Filed Away, which is Saturday, 3pm kickoff, I believe. It is, correct. And Filed, who are situated 23rd in the National League on 18 points, have won two, drawn two and lost two of their last six games, scoring 12 and conceding eight, a goal difference of plus for their last game being Saturday, they drew three all at home to Dark and Wanderers in what I believe was the early kickoff. In fact, their top goal scorer, Jonathan Osterbassi, who has scored six goals in 20 games. And fun fact, filed who are managed by the former Pools player, Chris Beach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew, Jack. I didn't know, Davo. Thank you for enlightening me and the listeners. You're welcome. <laughs> Our last meeting, of course, came on the 26th of August 2023, half five kickoff, where Pools won 3 1, thanks to goals from Can Cook and a brace from Manny Desirue. And obviously, Pools, we've won one, drawn two, and lost three of our last six, scoring 10 and conceding 13, a goal difference of minus three. We know what our last game was, we know what the score was. And for me, that does conclude the match preview. Cue outro music. <laughs> wow, you've made it there. I'll get that clipped and uh, then you can have that as your little outro. But uh, speaking of August, the weather was nicer, pools were better and um, times were better, weren't they? But um, yeah, let's hope. It always seems, always, to be absolutely flipping freezing whenever pools are about to play filed, whether it's wind, whether it's rain, whether it's snow. The cold temperatures always seem to hit when pools travel to filed. But, um, yeah, let's hope that we don't have as negative a result as we did last weekend. I'm going to change it up here. Can I ask you for your prediction, please? Wow. I was actually thinking for a second that you might have forgot. How could I forget? Well, these things do happen, Jack. No, I could never forget the predictions. Best part of the episode, a one-off. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. So, on a serious note, predictions, oh, 
So, filed another team in the bottom six that we've played. York, Kidderminster, got a win. Mm. You know what? I'm going to be confident, probably overly confident. I will go for 3-1 pulls. Goals from Manny Desiree and whoever else fancies chipping in on the day <laughs> in Davo fashion. Well, that is true indeed. Yeah. I just can't. I want to say we'll get a clean sheet, but I just can't see it. No. Both teams to score is usually the way to go. I do think there'll be a, it's probably hope, more hope than think. There'll be a, a, a positive reaction from the lads. So I'm going to go with two one pulls, not quite as positive as yourself, but still positive, still predicting a win. And let's just hope that, that that's the case, not only for the people travelling, but also for the sake of the football club. That does more or less bring to an end an episode where we've discussed player redemptions, shocking results, potential takeovers, Mickey Barron kindly joined us, which was fantastic to have him on to talk about the defensive situation at the club, which isn't so fantastic. Um, the all-time 11, which of course we'll be bringing back with the midfield section in our next episode, but it's been great to hear Mickey's views on on those defenders that made your own 11 as listeners. We've obviously looked ahead to file as well, but there's only one way that we could end this episode, Davo, isn't there? And that was the night that we had at Anfield. Now, let's cut out the section about the ticket price and what you got food-wise, because that was extremely disappointing and it wouldn't be a positive end to the episode. But uh, it, it had to be a flipping good pie for the price we paid to get there, and sadly it certainly wasn't. Um, well, it was a nice pie, but... It was finished in in one mouthful, and I did enjoy my uh, course of the bread bun as well, which was uh, a lovely compliment to the dish. But <laughs> all joking aside, what a opportunity! What an evening to see ourselves there amongst some names which are incredibly well known amongst the football content industry. We are, of course, talking about our night at the FCAs, which we probably never even expected come a few months ago when the nominations and stuff opened. I think that must have been August time when we got nominated. Um, I don't think we expected to even get to Anfield in the first place. But Davo, apart from meeting um, the very, (laughs) well, what shall we say, the TV presenter that you're a big fan of um, that presented the evening. Apart from that highlight for yourself, which you love to post a picture of on Twitter, just talk to us about the evening very briefly, just what it meant to you, um, how you felt coming away from it. I know we're both kind of disappointed in a way, not just at the pie, but the outcome. Um, So Davo, take it away, mate. Talk to us about the FCAs. Wow. I mean, you are right, first and foremost. I never in my wildest dreams, I remember saying to you, I don't think we'll get there, but my mentality was we had nothing to lose. We had nothing to lose. Let's at least go and try and get some votes. So the fact that we got there, got to sit in the room with, like you say, some very well-known people and just experiences to be a part of it, and it would not have been possible at all if it wasn't for those people who spent time voting for us, supporting mm. us, backing us up. Thank you very much to anybody who voted for us. It honestly means the world. And, you know, without you guys, we wouldn't have got to, to that event. I honestly never thought when I joined, that would be at Anfield for a, an awards night. So it was everything and more to go. But, um, yeah, it was a great night, you know, talking to some people at our table. They were very chatty. Weren't there some other creators? Mm. There was an older shot guy sat next to me. He was quite a pleasant chap. Um, Overall, great night. We were disappointed. Obviously, when you go that far, when you get to the awards night, you just want to go that one step further. You do want to bring it home. And there was that initial feeling of feeling defeated, dejected. But 
looking back now, I do. You know, we should be so proud of ourselves, mate. We should. Definitely. You know, we sit in our bedrooms, we talk about pools, and for me, that means so much more than winning accolades and awards. We don't need that. We know in our own minds, don't we? Yeah, we know, as we were saying, as we were walking back from the event, we do it because we love doing it. We do it because we love the football club. We love providing a platform for you guys. And I don't want to, you've summed it up so perfectly. I don't really want to say much more apart from, as you've said, Davil, thank you to absolutely everyone. When I started this podcast back in 2019, I feel like I've said that quite a few times over the last year or so as we've reached different milestones, but it's not out of a kind of a self-centered way or a look at look at us look at me I started this podcast this is where we're at now but it's more of as you said Dava like the realization as to where we've got I mean you look at the following on Twitter that's like a third of the home gate followers on Twitter and I just feel so proud to have created a bit of a community as cringy as it sounds like we've got people who constantly interact with us we've got people who listen to us Supporters in so many different ways, whether that's socials, whether that's seeing it as a match and just encouraging us to keep doing what we're doing. But I'm going to end it there. Please keep backing the boys, keep the faith. Honestly, never say die because this club will keep going. And thank you so much for being the incredible listening fan base of our podcast because it really does mean the world. We will see you in the next episode. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.